goes high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. We're reaching the end of the road here in the 2022 MLB season, but still a lot, some exciting baseball going on as the Fall Classic is in full swing between the Astros and the Phillies. Welcome in to the Nosebleeds Podcast, WFUV's exclusive baseball podcast. I am Brian Raybacks, and today we got a special one because it's the World Series and the Phillies are playing very well, and I'm joined across from me by Phillies fanatic Matt Benson. And Matt, this is got to be very exciting for you because you obviously got a really amped up from the whole Phillies and them making this incredible run in the World Series. So I assume when you saw you were on this episode, you had to be very excited. Yeah, I was very excited. I've been pushing for Ryan and Mike to let me on the podcast throughout the playoffs, and I finally get my chance during the World Series. It's been a great run so far and an improbable run at that. And I'm all I'm all here for the ride. I'm loving it so far. Game three was a great game last night, and so far the Phillies are up 2-1, and I'm hoping they can win it all. You got to love it. And we'll be joined by Colin Lochran later. He's running a little late, but it's me and Matt for now. And obviously, Matt, last night the Phillies – have a great win over the Houston Astros. Just blow them out and take a 2-1 series lead. Five homers. You got to be riding incredibly high right now, I'd feel. Like, where, where do you rank that game in terms of games you've watched as a Phillies fan? Just because it wasn't competitive, I don't know if I would put it near the top. Just I thought game one was a just a better game in general as a baseball fan. But for me as a Phillies fan, it was pretty nice in the fifth inning going up 7 nothing and being able to actually relax during a World Series game. I didn't really expect that going into the series. I thought, especially after games one and two, that it would end up being a really hard-fought, tight game going into game three, especially in Philly. But I'll take it. I can't complain with five home runs on just seven hits, which was crazy to watch. I mean, it's crazy because the Astros, you know them as the big, yeah, starting pitching everywhere. Every single guy they throw out there is going to be absolutely dominant. That's how they were in the ALCS against the Yankees, but... The World Series, Lance McCullers gets absolutely rocked. He gives he gives up all these runs. He gives up seven runs last night. Who who could have seen that one coming? I certainly didn't. And the Phillies, there's been the whole controversy over the past 24 hours or so whether or not McCullers was tipping his pitches. He was. But he absolutely he was. was. 100%. The media was trying to get it out of Bryce Harper and Alec Bohm. They weren't really budging, but any fan who was watching the game knows that McCullers was giving it away pretty blatantly with both his leg and his arm before he was throwing the ball. Uh, the, the, yeah. the, the, the the whole media thing asking Harper and Bohm, hey, what, what what did Bryce tell you there? Did, did they help in the back? I mean, that's so... We all, we all know what he was <laughs> saying. Like, you, you don't have to say the obvious. And obviously, <laughs> Bryce and Alec, they're not going to say anything because, because why would they? But ultimately, it, it is kind of poetic that the Astros kind of get to feel what it feels like to have the offense know what pitch what pitch is coming, L- little poetic justice there for uh, you see what kind of advantage it gives the hitters exactly. And they they used to claim it didn't impact the game. Well, it looked like it impacted it last night, and now the Phillies they have a two one World Series lead. Wow! So they have two more games in Philly coming up, and 
now you're really you're not hoping. Okay, I want to see them win a couple games. You want you got to see them win the whole thing because they've proven that they can compete with the Astros. They're not going to get steamrolled. This isn't the example of oh uh, a a team that just shouldn't compete with them. No, they're competing with them. And now these next two games, they got a real shot to maybe even take it at home, given this the the momentum that they have. Yeah, and it's crazy because going into the series, it was can the Astros even lose a game in the playoffs? Then it was can the Phillies maybe make it go to six games, and then now it's can the Phillies actually win the series and win it at home, which is crazy to think about considering where we were at the end of the regular season and then moving across the playoffs with the Astros' dominance, and here we are now with how good the Phillies have been playing and where the series is currently standing. I, I think it's I think the Phillies need to win it at home. It's just been the, the home crowd and the Philly fans in general have been such a big storyline for, for the Phillies throughout the playoffs, so it would be almost fitting if they do end up winning it at home and I just don't think the series can get back to Houston just because if you end up losing one of the games at home, the momentum can shift, and you don't want to be three, three to be a 3-2 series heading back into Houston. No, absolutely not, because if you're talking winning two games in Houston, that's incredibly unlikely. Yeah. But the Nationals did it a couple of years ago, but ultimately the Houston Astros are just an absolute force, so you can't bank on anything, but these Phillies... They're really getting the job done. They're hitting, which is what they were known to do. They, we knew they had the ability at the home runs. Bryce Harper, obviously capable. Kyle Schwarber's a huge power threat. And Reese Hoskins has just been mashing the ball out of the ballpark all postseason. But the areas that we were kind of concerned about coming into the postseason, they've really kind of stepped up, mainly their defense. And their pitching in the back end of the bullpen has been really strong, which has been a big surprise for me given what we saw out of them in the regular season. Yeah, yeah, the bullpen for me was definitely the biggest concern alongside Alec Bowman and Reese Hoskins' defense. So far, both all, all, all three of those things have answered the call, especially the bullpen. Throughout the World Series, I don't believe they've let up an earned run. Alec Bowman has made some really great plays, and although Reese Hoskins did make a ugly pick in Game 2 that cost a, that cost a run, they've, they've answered the call so far. Absolutely, they're doing... Just about everything right, and this bullpen, I mean, you can't say enough. I shouldn't say bullpen because I'm about to bring up Ranger Suarez, who pitched five innings as five shutout innings as a starter last night, but what he's been able to give them in this series has just been incredible. You get the couple of innings out of relief in the first game, and now all of a sudden, extra day of rest because of the rain out, now he's ready to go game three, and he gives you everything you need and really sets the tone. So I think he's been a huge part of what they've been able to do so far. Yeah, I completely agree. And he's reminding me a bit of what Patrick Corbin did a couple years ago for the Nationals and even a couple years before that with Madison Bumgarner coming in late in the series after starting multiple games for the Giants. And he's just been a virtuoso for us all year coming out of the bullpen. Obviously, his story last year was starting out as a middle-of-the-bullpen guy after being called up from AAA, then moving to the closer role, and then eventually becoming the starter. This year, it ended up becoming a similar situation, being a starter and reliever at times. And now in the playoffs, he's filling both roles and is doing a great job at it. And another uh, guy I want to bring up, Sir Anthony Dominguez. He's just come out of nowhere, and he's really he's get, he's getting big outs, which coming into the postseason, really, do you really trust him to get these big guys get these guys but no he's been such a weapon out of the bullpen for them and for for Rob Thompson it's been so easy to just all right I can go to Sir Anthony and depend on him yeah he's been lights out throughout the playoffs he's got a he's got a high velocity fastball up to 99 to 100 miles an hour and an absolute wipeout slider 
throughout the year he was he was our like eighth inning guy, and then he ended up getting injured, and came back from the IL pitching poorly to say the least. He was not looking good coming to the playoffs. He he was supposed to be our guy, and then he was not living up to the expectations. But now he's he's living up to the expectations and exceeding them. Nah, I'd love to hear you keep going, but I gotta shift directions here because. He is here. We're we're joined by Colin Lochran coming in here mid show. It's great to have you, Colin. Great to have you. Raybacks, Benson, great to be here. I apologize for being a tad late. It has been one of those days. <laughs> we, <laughs> we get it, man. How about that World Series? Though? How about I this mean, how about World it? Series? Here's the funny thing about it. As a New Yorker, I couldn't stand either team involved with this year's World Series. But once it actually happened, and game one and all the craziness that ensued with that game, JT Real Muto being the hero, I couldn't help but get into the storyline of the fact that the Phillies, who nobody believed in in June, Keith Hernandez here in New York saying they're not fundamental, they don't play defense, that team might dethrone the mighty Astros, the team that the Yankees couldn't get one win against. There's a storyline in there on the Astros side of things. you got to start getting a little nervous now. You're in Philadelphia Philly is up 2-1. to one. That crowd is ready to explode at any given moment. Just really one of those series that at first glance didn't look like it was going to be massively entertaining and ended up being pretty darn good. Philly, Philly in October, that cannot be an easy place to win with the way that crowd has been. And they've been waiting for this for a long time. Uh, like The last time they were in the World Series was 2009. How, like Matt, how, how old were you? At I that was, point, I was five or six and at the time. Do, yeah. do, do you remember that I, well I, at all? I don't remember 2008 when we won. I just remember 2009. My dad went to one of the games, and I just remember coming back sad. Like it was, <laughs> it was one of the worst experiences of my young childhood. But now at 19, it's this has been one of the most exciting seasons I've had throughout my childhood for watching the Phillies. Pretty crazy in Philly that the Eagles have been so good, and the Phillies are the talk of the town. And it's it's just remarkable. Objectively, I think, in my opinion, they were the worst team coming into the postseason. They had the most issues, the most concerns, and they had a really a really tough road to get there because the Cardinals were coming off of a strong regular season, and oh, they swept them pretty easily. And then you go from that to the defending World Series champion Atlanta Braves, and they make quick work out of them. They beat them in four games, and they never they never even really broke a sweat. And then you go to the Padres, quick business there, and then now in the Astros, they've taken the seriously. They haven't lost. Have they lost a? They haven't lost a single game at home in the postseason. I don't think they have. No, they haven't. They haven't. So, talk about a home field advantage. And now that you have two more games at home, it kind of you kind of you can't help but think in the back of your mind they could do this in Philly. They really could. They really could, and I hope so. I have I have tickets for tomorrow night. Do Ooh. you really? Yeah. So Ooh. I will I will be there if they win tonight. I could potentially be there for the uh, for the game for the series clinching win, which would be. An incredible experience, and it would just be so cool. Big news here in Nosebleeds. Matt Benson is <laughs> going to Game 5 of the World Series. Will it be the night the Phillies clinch? Man, I just can't wait to see it. That'd be something to write home about if you were there for the clincher. I mean, that that's a memory right there that it, you will never forget. I know. I, that's a moment. That's that's why I told my dad when we were talking about it, getting getting the tickets, I was like, we're never, we're never going to forget <laughs> this moment for our lives, so we got to do it, and we... We ended up doing it. Now, Colin, before you came on, we talked a little bit about this, but the situation with Lance McCullers, and 
he he obviously tipping his pitches. I mean, what w- what do you make of that whole thing and how the Phillies were able to take advantage of that? Well, I think there's two sides to that equation. One, yes, he's obviously t- was tipping his pitches, but on the flip side, the way the Phillies scored was by the home run ball. From a philosophical stance, I'm not sure how angry I could be about them taking advantage of McCullers in that way. That's been their MO since they wanted to hit home run balls. When it's there, you're going to knock it out of the park. So it's a little bit different than something else like what happened with Houston in 2017. I think this is part of the game. This is the type of gamesmanship that exists where, yeah, if you see the pitchers kind of giving you a hint as to what he's going to throw out there, you take advantage of that. This is far different in my opinion. No, Yeah, no, no question. Nobody... I don't. I don't think anyone should be, you know, calling out the Phillies for underhanded tactics or whatever because this is just in plain sight. I think like, the way they took advantage of it makes it look worse and makes people kind of go down that path. Like, not that they should, but the average baseball fan that's not invested as we are, 162 games plus, might go down in that direction. I think, if anything, the way they were able to take advantage of it proves where the game is going instead of where it has been, and why a team like Philly was able to be successful as opposed to a death-by-a-million-paper-cuts team like the Mets. That That's, to me, the biggest story here, is that the way they went about damaging this pitcher at the plate was by home rumble. It wasn't that you're getting a single here, you're getting a bunt down the line here, something like that. It's just massive amounts of attack being put into each approach at the plate. Yeah, yeah and it, it's more on Lance McCullers than anything, because... If you're at this level and you're giving a tell, a professional lineup like the Phillies will right. take it. in a great lineup, too, because there's there's been no hole in that lineup for really this entire postseason. They've just been hitting the ball and hitting the ball. So if you really if you really give them an opening, they're going to take advantage of it, and they obviously took advantage of it last night in a big way. Yeah, they sure did. And even though McCullers was tipping his pitches, it's still hard to hit an 87-mile-an-hour changeup. It's still hard to hit his slider. And he wasn't throwing his fastball much to lefties, but he threw a nice sinker to Bohm that went low and in, and he still knocked it out of the park, which is huge. And I, w- I want to talk about Bryce Harper for a minute, because when he signed this big contract, you start thinking, okay, they gave him 13 years. This guy, the, the, the narrative kind of when he signed the contract was that he was overrated. A lot of people held that opinion, and since then he's just kind of proven that, no, I'm just that good. He wins an MVP in 2021, and now has been a driving force for them in this World Series. And Matt, as a Phillies fan, you got to love everything that Bryce Harper has given you so far. He's he's given us everything. It's been amazing. The past, what, what, the past what more two could years. you ask for? If, uh, if, they, if they win this World Series, he's done everything he more. needs to do. I, I'm just asking for two two more wins from Bryce, and that's all we need for, <laughs> that, for the next 10 years of his contract. I mean, going into his contract, he didn't have a great season in his contract year. I think he hit in the mid-240s. Had about 25 to 30 home runs, which wasn't his best year, right around on par for what he has been. And then he didn't have a great first year in Philly. Didn't He didn't make the All-Star team. But then after that, the COVID year happened. He had a very solid year. And then his MVP campaign, which was incredible last year. This year he was injured a bit, but his playoffs has been better than anything I've seen in recent memory. Yeah, he's doing all this with a torn UCL. He's just going crazy with the bat with a torn UCL. And we'll get that fixed in the offseason, but... You got to just respect the hustle that this guy has and what he's been able to do for this franchise. And this city has fully embraced him. He's embraced the city as well. That's very rare of an athlete to do that in today's uh, cultural landscape that is sports. I mean, I have. it's hard to remember the last time an athlete embraced the city they were a part of more than Harper has embraced Philly. 
And I think part of that also happened after 2019, where the Nationals did win their World Series. Their na- the narrative, as you said, Brian, was that they did it without Harper. They didn't need him in the first place. He was a detriment more than a help. And I think that kind of made him really fall in love with the city he's playing for in that, yeah, these guys believed in me. These fans believed in me. They gave me my contract to stay here for a long, long time. And since that year, it really has gone an upward trajectory. Obviously, injuries, things like that play a part. But when you're in the postseason, when you hit that massive home run in the clinching game of the NLCS, which is a moment that I think will stand out from this entire run, win or lose, it's hard not to give the guy every benefit of the doubt going forward and say, even if the play declines, this is something that Yankees fans are going to have to talk about with Judge, in that if the play declines, they'll have this to really hold on to, especially if they win, in that he did get you to the top of the mountain, so you can't really hold anything here against him too badly. Now, I I don't think we can... We've been praising the Phillies a lot in this episode, and deservedly so, because what they've been doing is incredible, and they've taken a 2-1 World Series lead, but... I don't think we can just get over these Astros because they're you know you know that they're going to be fighting and there's they're not going to go down quietly at least not in my opinion because they're too good and this offense has too many options that can just do damage and then obviously they're starting pitching you can't overlook it with Christian Javier going tonight and then game five you're getting uh, Justin Verlander the Cy Young Award winner so these Astros they're they're not going to go down quietly and I know we want to see them get these next two games, and the Phillies get these next two games at home, but it's not going to be easy. No, it sure isn't, and a big reason why the Phillies have been able to take advantage of the Astros so far is because their top hitters have not been hitting well. Yoran Alvarez, I believe, only has one hit throughout the first three games. Jose Altuve, it's been a big story throughout the entire playoffs, has continued to struggle, even though he had a very good game th- game two. And Alex Bregman, out- outside of game two, has really struggled. So we saw, wh- we saw what happened when the Astros' top players put it together. They won game two, five to two. But when they're struggling, their entire team does not look too good right now. No one's crying any tears for the Astros, let's be clear, because you steamrolled through the American League. The idea is you're supposed to get the job done here, you kind of fell apart against the Braves last year. 2019, you fell apart against the Nationals, who were an inferior squad by every basic definition you can find, as opposed to what the Astros had assembled lineup-wise. If they lose this series, they're no better than those Phillies teams in the early 2010s that got to a couple series, only won one, and then kind of faded away. And they're certainly not in the same class as a team like the 90s Braves that was successful for a much longer span of time and only had the one chip to show for it the Astros are in danger of really becoming a story of can't get it done when it matters most it does not matter unless you win the world series I I, I don't really get what's like preventing them from getting the job done they're just these what should be inferior inferior teams are just like playing up to their level and really kind of handling business relatively easily the Braves did it in six games the the Phillies could do it in five so I don't really get what's going on with these Astros other than karma. That, karma? that, that could very well be it. <laughs> could definitely definitely play a role. It, it could play a role. And it's it's all NL East teams too, which is actually kind of shocking because it's the Nationals, it's the Braves, and now it's the Phillies in danger of taking them down. And, yeah, you mentioned the people in the lineup, Matt. Jordan Alvarez, since his amazing ALDS where he was just abusing the, Ast- the, the Mariners – just, they just couldn't get him out, and now all of a sudden he's just a non-factor in, in this World Series. Yeah, he's got he is one for eleven, which is not 
what Jordan Alvarez should be, especially if you're trying to win this series. You need your best hitter to really step up, and so far he has not done that. And, oh, by the way, you have to face Aaron Nola tonight. So Jordan Alvarez, if he, if the Astros want to come back and win this series, they got to get Jordan Alvarez and Jose Altuve going as well. Yeah, absolutely. Jordan Alvarez during the regular season this year was one of the top what two to three hitters in the AL behind Aaron Judge and name a couple other guys. But he he hit over forty home runs, hit over three hundred throughout the year. His OPS was over nine hundred. I forget if it was over a thousand or not. But he was he was up there with the best. And this postseason, outside of that first ALDS that you mentioned, the walk off home run, just the dominating against the Seattle Mariners, he struggled a bit. And that might end up being a big storyline of. If the Phillies hypothetically end up winning the series, that's going to be a big storyline of whether he can really get it done when it matters most. Because last year, they didn't win. This year, if they end up losing, that's going to be a big problem. Also, just from a personnel standpoint with the Astros and how Dusty Baker has managed his pitching staff, where is Jose Urquidy? Last year, this guy was a major part of the Astros' kind of rise to that World Series. And this year, he's pitched in one postseason game. At least that that's my count right now. Looking and it was at last night. And it was last it was, night. It was last night. It was night last night. And he didn't pitch badly. Didn't allow a run. Went three innings. Why is that guy not pitching as a starter in this series at any point? Well, because, I mean, they have so many good starters. So many great starters. Is he starters. not one of them? The guy had a sub-4 ER I mean, 3.94. Listen, you if, take if, that any day of the week. If you're choosing between getting Jose or Keedy a start in Game 5, if you're choosing between that or Justin Verlander on some rest, uh, I, I'm going with Justin Verlander. I, I would still take time. Verlander, but why are we not considering using someone like your Keedy when you're down by this? Well, not by this much. It is one game difference, but one game means all the difference. I think, it's a, I think it's a little odd that he hasn't been used in like a long relief right. kind of role. And the Yankees were kind of doing the same thing where they weren't using Domingo Herman or anybody, which I thought was very odd. But, yeah, it, it does make you raise an eyebrow, especially out of the bullpen. He feels like he could be someone that could make a contribution. So the fact that it took until Game 3 of the World Series in a, in a 7 nothing game, right, game yeah. to get him in, that, that's, like, very odd. He picked the Red Sox part last year in the ALCS. And that lineup was very similar to what Philly's trying to do right now. Very home run heavy. If the home run ball is not there, you cannot score. If... Urquidy was able to deal with the Sox last year. There's no reason why he can't deal with the Phillies this year. Not to mention he dealt with it in Fenway Park last season. Why not put him in in Citizens Bank this year? See if he can deal with more than one hostile environment. I just look at this situation with Urquidy, and it gets me a little bit frustrated because, yes, I understand they're stacked with pitchers. Nobody is arguing that. But if I had a pick between Urquidy and even McCullers to start, I might be tempted to go with Urquidy in that Game 3. Mm. I, I might have mm. considered going with Urquidy. Just for the pure sake of McCullers has dealt with a little bit more injuries this year, I would say, than Urquidy, who's been kind of on that level playing field since 2021. I, I think that would have been the smarter choice. I have no idea why Dusty Baker's not using him in these well, playoffs. Well, we at least have this, looking at the rest of the series as we are close to wrapping up here. They have two of their best starters, because obviously with their rotation, every starter is two of their best starters, but Christian Javier tonight, and then Justin Verlander tomorrow night in Game 5. That's just about who you'd want on the mound. But again, who we don't know with Verlander. His World Series numbers are not good, and his Game 1 start was not very good. So, who knows? Objectively, those should be the guys that you want. But And, and Framber Valdez. I, I would put Valdez in that conversation as someone. Exactly. Yeah. 
He's very good in the postseason. He, him and Yurkiti were very good last year. It wasn't necessarily Verlander that carried this Astros team. It wasn't a Chris Sale in 2018 situation or a Kershaw in 2020 situation yeah. where those were your guys. Well, I, I or think, Walker Bueller, for that matter. I think that this series is going to depend on how Justin Verlander does in Game 5. Because regardless of the result tonight, obviously if the Phillies win, then it's an elimination game and you kind of your back's against the wall, and you need Justin Verlander to be Justin Verlander in an elimination game. But at the same time, if the Astros win, they even up the series tonight, and then Justin Verlander completely blows it in Game 5, you're going down 3-2 into Houston, and then you have to face Zach Wheeler, because I believe it's Noah Syndergaard slated to start tomorrow night for Philly. So then you'd face Zach Wheeler in Game 6, which is not a real enticing matchup if you're the Houston Astros lineup. So Verlander's got to bring it Game 5 the Astros... If they want to make a make a run and kind of come back in the series, in my opinion, yeah, Verlander's really has to put it together. Letting up letting up five runs in Game One was not impressive, especially after a Cy Young campaign this year. And you you after facing Aaron Nola tonight, if he's able to put it together, you don't want to face Zach Wheeler no matter where. I don't care if he had a bad game, Game Two. He looked like his, his it looked like his velocity was way down, only about ninety five miles an hour. If his velocity is back to the 98 that it usually is, and if he's able to figure out his location, he's as good as anybody. He had a 1.7 ERA throughout the entire playoffs up until Game 2. And I know he had a get bad Game 2, but I think he really can put together, and that should that should be scary for the Astros. I'm interested to see how Nola bounces back tonight from his rough Game 1 outing, and then you also mentioned Zach Wheeler's rough Game 2. Those are two guys at the top of your rotation that did not get the job done when they needed to. Now, the Phillies came back in one one of those games but the Phillies also are going to need them to step up and you got to hope that they're not exactly you know letting the moment get too big for them and that they can handle pitching in the World Series so that's another thing that I'm also looking at for the rest of this series as we kind of near the end here I think those guys pitching at home will make a big difference yeah I I think there is a huge difference between having to deal with a Houston crowd versus a uh, very friendly Philly crowd in that instance Uh, I'm also curious to see what Noah Syndergaard is able to do if he gets his crack later in this series because how funny would that be if Wheeler and Noah Syndergaard, two ex-Mets, are two of the biggest parts of a Philly World Championship? Could you imagine? Queens will be in flames right after. They will not be happy about that situation, and I wouldn't be either. They let both of those guys pretty much walk. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So now, as we wrap up here, we got a 2-1 Phillies lead going into the night. Pitching matchup, Christian Javier against Aaron Nola. And then tomorrow night, it'll be Verlander against Noah Syndergaard. And then after that, we don't know. The Phillies could take care of business. The Astros could come back. We're unsure. So predictions for the rest of the series, not to put you on the spot, but I feel like I know. I feel, I'll start with Matt. I feel like I know where you're going with this thing. Phillies in five? That's wishful thinking. I, I, as much as I would love Phillies in five, I think it's going to be Phillies in six. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think the Astros are going to take one of the next two games. They might end up beating on Syndergaard tomorrow night, unfortunately. Well, for, for your sake, we'll go win tonight, and then when you're there tomorrow night, they get the big win. That would be Or amazing. the Astros win tomorrow night, tonight, and then Phillies. And then big win tomorrow. Yeah. I, I would I would have that, that, That's that. what we're looking for. Well, we're, we're actually looking for, for your sake, the Phillies, to clinch that game five. It'd be great. It'd be great. But I think, I think if we're being realistic, it's probably Phillies in six, at least with how they are now. I think Christian Javier tonight, he's going he's gonna to shove. He's going to have a really good game. The only knock I might have against him is that he hasn't pitched in 11 days. Like, yep. 
He's also a high walk guy, so if he's if he comes out doesn't have his command early on, the Phillies hitters might be able to take advantage of that because they have a lot of guys who take a lot of pitches in Kyle Schwarber, Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper, and even Bryson Stott down at the bottom of the lineup. It's they might be able to take advantage of him and work a lot of walks, get guys on base, and score some runs. Colin, you. This is a tough one. When this series started, I thought it was a toss-up because it was momentum versus pedigree in my mind. And as it's progressed, it's become clear that the momentum has taken over the pedigree to one extent or another. I'm going to say Philly in seven games Mm. because I think what's going to happen here is that Thompson's going to play the long game with his bullpen, with his pitching. He's going to make the decision that Houston's going to hang around. No matter what you do, how many home runs you hit, they will at least hang around. I think Verlander will be serviceable. When he gets back to the mound to the point where this thing goes back to Houston, they're going to scratch out game six, and by game seven, that bullpen is going to be a little bit taxed for the Strohs. I think Philly will be rested and aware of the situation to the extent that they'll be able to take advantage. I like Philly in seven. So, as for me, I don't like to be wrong, typically, and coming into this series, I had Astros in six. So You're sticking with it. I, I got to stick with it, don't I? Because yeah, that's fair. I respect that. I had not made a pick on air prior, so this is my first that's, semblance. Uh, I mean, pick. yeah, that's right. Last week on Nosebleeds, I picked Astros in six. So, obviously, I got to stick with it. And how could I not really? Because you got Christian Javier tonight, Verlander in game five, and then it's probably Framber Valdez in game six. So, and, the, and, we, and we know who the Astros are. They're a great team. So, I like, I like their odds to get done in game six. Could I be wrong? Obviously... My postseason predictions have been way off for the entire run of October so far, but who knows? So we'll see. Philly's up two games to one. There's a lot more baseball to be played, but that will do it here on the Nosebleeds podcast. Great time talking to you guys about this World Series and this Fall Classic, and we'll see how it all ends up. So from Colin Lochran and Matt Benson, I'm Brian Rayback. Thank you so much for listening to the Nosebleeds podcast today, and Nosebleeds, of course, is a production of WFUV Sports.